John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast. Theme tune time. Let's go, John. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. I told you there's no way I'm singing. Come on. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. Yeah. John and Sam in Japan. Never gonna happen. And put your clothes back on, it's just weird. Ah, never! John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast. Welcome to the show. He is John. And he is Sam. And this is John and Sam in Japan. The international comedy podcast. That's right. I've been uh, keen to find out whether your sister ever found out about you feeding her vegan slash beef curry. How did that go down? Uh, yeah, she wasn't bothered. Um, well, I think <laughs> I think she was not happy, but I don't think it was, um, you know, destroy an entire family kind of... Uh, <laughs> I babysat for her daughter the other day, so I think I think she didn't want to say anything. Until after I'd taken yeah. care of a kid. <laughs> Have you eaten anything she's prepared since she found out? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, if I were you, I would keep it that way. Well, to be fair, she's um, been a vegan. She likes to use a lot of mushrooms, which I can't stomach ever since I had <laughs> too many on an island in Thailand once. The, uh, <laughs> not not of the button variety, I'm willing to bet. No, they're in an omelette and um, yeah, it was a, a strange eight hours afterwards and my body just rejects them now. <laughs> so, What's been going on with you? Well, so, well, last week I went to watch a concert for a band I used to like when I was, you know, back in the, the early 90s. It was a, um, I suppose they'd be classed as Britpop, but it was a band called Embrace. And they um, they were kind of like Oasis. I mean, they made the mistake of saying when Oasis were the height of their powers of saying that they were going to be bigger than Oasis. Which, <laughs> uh, but no, it was a, it was an interesting gig because it was outside. You know, it was a brilliant setting. But the the tour was they played their entirety the entirety of the uh, the first album, which is not something I've ever like. I really like some of the songs on it, and you know, some of the songs on it are what made them famous. But I just don't understand why bands feel the need to play an entire record unless it is an absolute stone cold classic. Yeah, uh, the only time they should be playing the whole record is when that record is best of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was great, but it was just loads of people my age and if not older. But it was, yeah, it was really good. Although I was actually, I was pretty annoyed because my brother, I was there with my brother and my one of my mates, and they. Uh, it was like £5.50 a pint. So I don't know what that is now. About 2,000 yen. Yeah, yeah, pretty expensive. And um, so I, you could only you could only buy a maximum of four at one time. There's all plastic glasses and sort of stuff, and they give you a cardboard thing yeah. to carry it. So I went and got four pints, came, gave them, put them down to my uh, brother and my friend. And I said, right, I'm just going to go for a pee. Like, don't lose sight of those. And um, <laughs> because, it's, because it's about a week's worth of wages. <laughs> yeah. And then. Uh, <laughs> Literally came back and went, where's my two pints gone? And they went, oh, unbelievable. Ah. They went, yeah, they, they were there literally 30 seconds ago. Somebody must have nicked them. Now, I had two pints and there was two of them. So I don't know whether they just nicked theirs and just decided to have my two. <laughs> Chuck the glass over their shoulders. Yeah, yeah, but I was raging. Yeah. Rude my so night. Did, did, was there ever a resolution to that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I sent, they went off and bought more beer and stuff. It was not that. It was just... Um, 
Also, the fact that somebody, they're just so slack that somebody literally walked past and <laughs> picked up two pints and walked off. <laughs> Because there's some choice characters at the gig. Is it your hunch that they were pinched by someone else or your two so-called friends downed them while you were going for a wee? Ah, uh, no, I think... Because they were also drinking pints of gin and tonic, so I think, to be fair, they were in such a state that they, uh, you know... I mean, this is this was my brother who's uh, close to be a vegetarian eating it, at Burger King at the moment. You've got this thing where you can add as many bun, uh, patties as you want to your burger... So him being a vegetarian, he only had he had four on his whopper. <laughs> so. I can see Burger King doing doing their bit for the national obesity crisis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to convert as many vegetarians as possible. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your sister's in there probably as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about for you? Well. Actually, talking of uh, kind of festivals or concerts, just after, as soon as we finish recording here, I'm off to Tanabata Festival, which uh, I think we talked about on the podcast last year. Uh, it's a famous festival in Hiratsuka in Japan. And um, yeah, so I, I don't know what's going to happen there. But last year, uh, I don't know if you recall, I bought my son the most irritating <laughs> present ever. Oh, yeah, I remember. It was, <laughs> do you remember the song? Yeah, well, I can't remember the song. It was... Um... Was it Big Boots? Big Booties? Oh, no. nearly. What was it? it was <sighs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I want you in my room. Uh, <laughs> Venga Boys. Yeah, the Venga Boys are back in town. So me and him are going to this festival uh, shortly. So I'm just wondering what piece of crap I'm going to come back with today. Well, your wife's not going, is she? Because she can't go... Th- today so um, you're not going to be guilt tripped yeah. into buying something no but I'm, well, well we'll have to wait and see <laughs> he might want um he might want another pack four pack of uh kirin gold you never know <laughs> i've got a feeling that he may well want that you know <laughs> but anyway, i'll let you know next next time on the podcast uh, <laughs> what i was duped into buying <laughs> So what's on today's show then? Uh, well, we have a rammed show. Uh, we have some more news from the Heffron Hawks. See how they're getting on. We have a culture corner with someone I admire greatly. And we have a whole lot more. But of course, first, this. This is JNSNJ News. So time for the news. John, what have you got for me? So the headline for this is Villagers hunt mime artist who raised hundreds at charity fate but fled with the cash. This one tickled <laughs> me because it is quite genius. I think we'll, we'll put the link to the story on the website. Well, you'll put the link to the uh, maybe. Will we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I've got a feeling it'd be best if the uh, if the listener Googled it for themselves. My master oh, okay. steals money. <laughs> yeah. So they said, well, villagers are trying to trace a mystery mime artist who raids hundreds at a charity fate but left without handing over any cash. Organisers are unsure whether they were duped by a con man or the victim of someone who has taken a joke too far. So basically, this man went to the charity fate uh, and he was wearing a full... Uh, morph suit like a bodysuit covering his face and everything it's check it's checkered black and white <laughs> and he joined in the carnival parade in Wollaston in Gloucestershire Gloucestershire and it says um, committee member Sue Anderson said everyone thought it was a great idea he was dancing with the samba band and putting his arm around children who wanted their photograph with him he handed out flyers inviting locals to pay one pound to guess his identity with the promise of a hundred pound prize <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but at the end, when everyone thought he was going to climb on stage to do the big reveal, nobody could find him. He just disappeared. Wow. So, so he's just got a suit and got around and got cash off everyone, taking his suit off and walked home. Well, I mean, to be fair, if you look at the uh, the, the picture, they've got a picture of him and he's got his little flyers. So he's obviously for, spent money on photocopying and the suit and um, cut it so out. So it's a well-planned well little uh, heist. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to be... You know, made into a film, but um... <laughs> it could be a Netflix original. Well, I mean, he's made these flyers, and um, it's just a photocopied piece of pitch, uh, paper with it says, "Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Wollaston's Mystery Man." Then there's a picture of himself in a morph suit with loads of question marks around it, and it's "What's my first name?" And then you have to write your contact name, your telephone number, and there's a hundred pound jackpot prize, and the one pound donation to uh, the Wollaston Hall. <laughs> so, so, did they ever? Did they ever find out the identity of this uh, mystery man? No. So it says what happened was that after putting an appeal on Facebook, soon her husband Tony got an email from the silent mystery man who offered to transfer a hundred pound to the carnival's bank account, but they've okay. heard nothing. But they've heard nothing since after asking to meet the person. Well, asking to meet him in person instead. Instead, sorry. Oh. Yeah. So he's obviously gone off, had a guilty conscience. Yeah. But he's like, there's no way I'm meeting you face to face. Yeah. So shit, we could go to the police, but they're hardly going to be able to identify him in a lineup. <laughs> <laughs> so she says, we want to give him a chance in case it's someone who means well and he's just taken the joke a bit too far. Um, but I know some are losing patience as they gave him money from their pensions and piggy banks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean that is uh it's definitely one of the um one of those things that I would do. I'd do something a little bit naughty and then feel totally guilty after. Oh yeah. But you don't want you don't want your identity revealed. Just take the money and then they say, Come and meet me. No way. No, I'll yeah. send you the money, send me your bank details. I mean, unless that's just an elaborate scab and he's like just do it and then he can rip off their bank details. I don't know. Yeah. What I mean. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, carnival coordinator Andy Morgan was quoted as saying it left a bad taste because people thought they'd be giving money to a genuine charity yeah yeah, i think it's quite a genius way of scamming because you're only taking a pound off each person i mean it's still stealing but it just seems it's slightly less uh hideous than taking 100 pounds off one person yeah yeah but the thing is i was thinking like you know if it's a village fate and he was guessing getting people to guess his first name then surely like if you're going to put a pound on you'd but have some sort of guess as to who it was. So it'd be some. You'd be thinking, "All oh, right, that's Dave who has the corner shop, or it's Barry who has the garage." Surely yeah, they must. Yeah. Surely they must have some idea of who this guy is, unless he is just a complete like you know. If it's just a you know a small country village, and all of a sudden there's this massive eight foot ten Polish <laughs> bodybuilder turned up. Guess who I am? <laughs> guess my name. I think pretty sure we both did an impression of Dracula. Then. <laughs> to be fair look, looking at the photo of him he looks like a very sort of stereotypical man I'm guessing well it doesn't, it doesn't have boobs so I'm guessing it's a man just average height average. I mean he is literally the perfect crime <laughs> but he's wearing a straw boater as well so I don't know if that's to disguise the fact that he's got no hair or it's, could uh, be or or big hair yeah yeah I mean he's quite quite ingenious well 
Well, let's keep our eye on that and see if there's any developments. I'll be interested <laughs> to see how that ends. Yeah. Well, I think uh, if they do if they do catch him, they might find out that he's got a checkered past. <laughs> Did you? You said he was there as a mime artist. Well, yeah, he didn't talk. Yeah. So he he was there as a mime artist and he was stealing money. That is Marcel Marceau Naughty. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There is literally about two-thirds of the people who are not going to know who Marcel Marceau is. (laughs) Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned for Culture Corner where you may learn, or you may not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was JNSNG News. Hey, what's up? Tokyo's finest tattoo artist, Miss Funk, is here at my studio here in Kichijoji. I specialize in body art for foreigners who want the authentic Japanese tattoo. With thousands of kanji to choose from, you can get whatever you want written on your body. You want the kanji for next tattoo on your neck? Done! You even want to draw your own kanji that has no real meaning? Done! You want the kanji for fridge on your bicep? Done! Miss Funky, I never refuse to ink no matter how crazy it seems to a Japanese. Welcome one and all to Culture Corner, it's the corner. You can learn a lot about different cultures, but not corners. Learn while having fun in Culture Corner, it's the corner. Words, phrases, metaphors, you'll soon know the score. Find out what they mean with a Culture Corner team. Hi, welcome to Culture Corner. My name's John, and today I'm going to be talking to you about the phrase the Marcel treatment. If, like me, you are happily married and everything you do seems to antagonise your partner, you may have been on the receiving end of the Marcel treatment. The Marcel treatment, also known as the silent treatment, occurs when one person in the relationship refuses to interact with the other person due to some slight. Predominantly used by the female partner in a relationship, the Marcel treatment can last from a few hours to a few days depending on the time of the month and how mental the person is. Example sentences using the phrase the Marcel treatment are as follows. What time did you get in on Saturday, mate? Oh, dunno, but it was late. The missus has been giving me the Marcel treatment all week. And... For the love of God, woman, I did not try it on with your friend at the barbecue. Now stop giving me the Marcel treatment, you crazy cow. The phrase, the Marcel treatment, first came into circulation in the mid-1960s when mime artist Marcel Marceau became internationally renowned after the Second World War. Born in Grimsby, a fishing town in the north of England in 1923, Marcel Marceau was originally called Mark Markey. Shunned by his family and bullied incessantly throughout his childhood due to his unnaturally high-pitched voice, which was described as sounding like a dolphin on helium, Marcel began to use gestures to communicate rather than speak. 
The outbreak of World War II saw Marcel dream of fighting Nazis, so he snuck aboard a fishing trawler which was headed to the beaches of Dunkirk to aid in the rescue of the Allied forces. The captain of the trawler, on discovering the stowaway, was so enraged by the boy's high-pitched voice, he drunkenly threw Marcel overboard into the English Channel. Treading water as the trawler disappeared over the horizon, a panicking Marcel shouted for help, and luckily for him, a school of porpoise swimming nearby heard his high-pitched screams of distress and came to his rescue. Clutching onto the dorsal fins of a couple of porpoise, Marcel made his way to France, and staggering up the beach, suffering from the early signs of hypothermia, he stumbled into the camp of a travelling circus. Unable to speak French and acutely aware that his voice could turn men into a violent rage, Marcel used his miming skills to indicate he needed food and a warm shower. The lead clown of the circus was so impressed by the gesturing skills of the young Marcel, he decided to take him under his wing and teach him the craft of being a clown. He was offered face paints and a job working at the circus. And it was at this circus that Marcel Marceau, as he now called himself, met the love of his life, the trapeze artist Fanny Lepin. Their love affair began after an accident on the trapeze saw Fanny plummet to the ground, only to be caught by the mime artist. In honour of his craft, Marcel didn't make a sound as he caught the 23-year-old Fanny in his arms, even though he broke both their arms in his process. The grateful Fanny was ever-present at Marcel's side as he recuperated from his broken arms, and she took it upon herself to wipe his bottom as he was unable to do so himself, and it was this daily act of bum-wiping that cemented the love affair which was to last for the rest of their lives. Unable to use his arms to mime for nearly a year, Marcel used this time to perfect the art of the facial mime, and it was during this period he experimented with face paints. Although it is commonly, commonly attributed to Marcel, the painted on tears of a clown was in fact an idea stolen from another mime artist, Barcel Barceau. Originally the two mime artists had been close friends, but Marcel had felt a jealousy and an unease with the affection Barcel showed towards his fanny and the two came to blows one night. Some reports claim that it was Barcel who pulled a knife that night, although conflicting reports claim Barcel only mimed pulling a knife. Whether Barcel did or did not really pull a knife we will never know, but what we do know however is that during the fight, Marcel pulled out a gun and shot Barcel in the kneecap, covering the nearby fanny with blood. Barcel would disappear out of Marcel's life until over 30 years later when in 1979, when Marcel was at the height of his stardom, a disgruntled Barcel appeared and tried to sue Marcel, claiming that it was he who had originally come up with the idea of the painted on tears. As Marcel and Barcel both refused to speak in court and preferred to give their evidence through the medium of mime, the judge quickly grew tired of this and dismissed the case. Outside the court, Barcel mimed his outrage and inferred that Marcel had sex with pigs. Barcel would die a lonely death as a homeless alcoholic. However, no such misfortune befell Marcel, who spent the next 20 years touring the world performing for heads of state and royalty. Marcel, the world's greatest ever mime artist, sadly passed away in 2004, aged 84, after a game of charades of which he was said to be the greatest ever player went wrong. A peanut got lodged in his throat as he attempted to mime the title for the James Bond film Live and Let Die. The captive audience, unable to guess the answer, sat around as Marcel slowly choked to death. Tributes poured in from across the globe at his passing and he is now immortalised in the English language with the phrase the Marcel treatment.
So thanks for turning into Culture Corner, and in honour of Marcel Marceau, I shall now perform his greatest ever piece, The Glass Box. Thank you and goodbye. Yo, Johnny McBee and Samuel T. Two Prince took a shit over a cup of tea. Probably a spot of milk and a crumpet, please. But someone else cooking in the kitchen. Could someone answer the burning question? Time for the burning question. Uh, last episode, we sort of uh, said there were two. The, the first one was what should, we had a lack of inspiration. So we said, what should the next burning question be? Uh, a lack so of John planning. Did it. <laughs> a lack of planning, <laughs> yes. And that hasn't happened this week at all. No. <laughs> um, so, John, did anyone get in touch? Well, uh, we got uh, one reply from Vicky, who may or may not be my sister, which was, "What's the meanest? <laughs> what's the meanest thing a relative has done to you? I fed you <laughs> beef, beef extract when you're a vegan." <laughs> For a randomly specific example. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the well? So, the question is, what's the meanest thing a relative has ever done to you? Okay. Um, um, I try also, try keep it light. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bobby got in touch. Bobby said, uh, "What is the most expensive item you've ever bought, but then never used?" <laughs> oh, right. Um, <laughs> my, my my wife has a long list of things for that one. Oh well, my wife is just shoes. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we had we had one from Daniel, which was, "Have you ever gate crashed a party or been to a party of a complete stranger?" Yeah, that sounds so. good. So what we'll do is those three burning questions, we'll use those ones over the next three episodes. Yeah. So so the next so the next one, the next question will be what did you say first? Ah. What's the meanest thing uh relatives done to you? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> keep it light, people, keep it light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then the the part two of the burning question from last episode was, uh, what's the weirdest thing you've cooked after various things were put in microwaves and things last time around? Uh, John, anyone get in touch with you about that? Uh, well, a guy called Pete got in touch and said that uh, one of his friends at university, uh, this isn't just, it's not really unusual, but it's just stupidity. His friend, uh, when they first moved in together at university, was completely uh, incapable of looking after himself. He put a pizza in the oven while it was still in the box and in the packaging because he just uh, thought it was a oven like oven a... ready pizza. Oh, and he just because you do I mean, get yeah. some things like that, don't you? Like chips that you chips in the box you put in the microwave and things like that. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I'm just I trying to think... I'm just trying to be kind to Pete. You're a fool, Pete. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's Pete's friend. Um, oh, Pete's friend. No, sorry. I mean, yeah, I think the guy just well. <laughs> there's no no hope for him uh, anybody else yeah there was one from justin from australia uh, he says when i was young a babysitter was looking after me i was about eight years old i wanted some ice cream and i told her that i always put it in the microwave to soften it up a little she said i could do it unfortunately i put it in the microwave for too long the ice cream melted completely and it became hot as I'd said, I always do it. I felt compelled to eat the, enti- the entire warm bowl of ice cream. It was disgusting. <laughs> That'd just be hot milk, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But he said he was from Australia, so I'm presuming it was probably about 35 degrees outside. Yeah. <laughs> Having a nice warm bowl of vanilla ice cream or hot cream. 
Any, anyone else? Oh, yeah, so we've got, well, another another Australian story. Um, Bert said that he, uh, when he was on camping in Australia at Kakadu National Park, they cooked a kangaroo's tail, which oh, right. the, 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 the tour guide said was like something, you know, that you could eat and it was all, you know, they taught them how to do it and they did it and he said it was absolutely revolting. <laughs> <laughs> Put a spring in your step, though. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the end of that tale. <laughs> <laughs> you nicked my joke, you bastard. <laughs> G'day. I'm the Heffron Hawks number one fan. Heffron is in Maroubra, New South Wales, Australia. And we rule the Eastern Suburbs Football Association All-Age Men's Sunday League. We're called the Hawks because we soar like an eagle. Well, like a hawk. We'll rip your team apart with our claws and we're really good at making nests. Our players are from every corner of the globe and our manager is a pom. I know what you're thinking, but he's alright though. Na na na, na na na, and we all love Heffron. We're gonna score one more. Than you, Hi guys, welcome back. Quick update for you this week. I think the last time I spoke to spoke to you guys, we'd had a great win against Coogee United to put us top of the table. Unfortunately, since then, we've had uh, more injuries than an A&E department um, sees on a Friday night. Uh, and we've actually unfortunately lost our last two games. So we lost against Locomotive Cove 3-2, although we gave it a good go. And uh, we also lost uh, 2-0 this weekend against Ranwick. So at the moment, our team's got more holes in it than uh, Gandhi's flip-flops, bit of Swiss cheese and a sieve put together. So we've gone from top to about fourth in the division. Um, but we still stay positive and we'll look to go again next week as ever. It's international. Yeah. John and Sam in Japan. Thanks, Stubbsy, for that update there. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, more from the Heffron Hawks. Uh, so that just leaves me to say thanks to everyone who's involved in today's show. Uh, thanks to, well, John in Culture Corner. Uh, thanks to Itsuki Naka. Thanks to Ruben VM and uh, Harry Metcalf and everyone else. Uh, but most of all, thanks to you, uh, the beautiful, lovely, fantastic and wonderful listeners. <laughs> yep. And so next episode's burning question, what's the uh, what's the meanest thing a relative's done to you? But we're keeping it light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, as much as possible. <laughs> Anything else? No, nope, I think that's all. All right, catch, catch you later. later. It is time to go. That's the end of the show. If you liked it, write a review. Five stars or F you. And if you want to get in touch, we'd like that very much. Send a tape of your comedy Not a tape, just an MP3
Send us some comedy or a song that is funny. Send us your favorite bit. But we don't want your dick pics. It is time to go. That's the end of the show. Tell your friends and your family. Or even the people you're married. Join in, answer the burning question. Send a new story, preferably something we can find about. We're on the social media sites, Facebook and Twitter, day and night. It's John and Sam in Japan at gmail.com. And if you do this, then maybe, just maybe, Sam will put his clothes back on. John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast.